0: Now almost 50 years, Roe v. Wade may be on its way out. The Supreme Court just announced they'll be hearing a case which may have massive implications for abortion laws in the United States. You bet I'll be watching. Roe v. Wade has been the law of the land for nearly 50 years since the Supreme Court's decision back in 1973. A recent case in Mississippi regarding the state's new law ending abortions after 15 weeks will now be heard by the highest court in the US. Of course, this news has sparked a new wave of debate. We would all agree we want children to be born. Changing abortion laws is one solution to the problem. But I also encourage Christians to reach out and help the pregnant women in need. Jesus said it. I'm going to prepare a place for you. The kingdom is coming. And while we wait, let's live as citizens of that land. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. It's our fourth day in a program series called The Church in Early Days. And if I put a title to just this single program, it would be something like a message to legalists. A little preview of what we'll see in a few minutes from the book of Acts. Jerusalem was filled with legalists in the first century, but a little hint, they haven't gone away. Churches are still filled with them. Just look in a mirror and see that I'm right. I know because I too look in the mirror every day and I see a recovering Pharisee, but don't go away. There's hope for you and hope for me as we will follow the story of a very young church of Jesus Christ found in Acts chapter 4 in our time together. And speaking of the first century church, I'd like you to enjoy a worship experience that's drawn from the first century from the Ode CD featuring lyrics from the early church's songbook.
1: I'm putting... admit
0: called I'm putting on the love of the Lord but scholars refer to the lyrics as Ode number three these lyrics translated into English from the original language they've been set to new music that'll lead you to a unique worship experience with other brothers and sisters from the first century and you can hear all 14 of the songs that we've selected for you on this special CD that you can only get here at Haven today when you make your gift to this listener supported ministry Would you call us after the program at 800-654-2836? That's 800-654-2836. Or better yet, go to our website and you can listen to samples of all the odes on this special CD. And you can watch the video we put up and read more about how these odes were discovered. Our web address is haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Now we open with a song by Museum, Jesus, No Other Name. There is
1: hope in the darkness There is peace in the way. I will trust in the promise Of the one who never fails The one who never fails He is strength in the struggle, He is grace in the battle I will walk in the power of the one who never fails, the one who never fails is on his throne So I will not fear
0: It's how we worship God. It's how we pray. We do that in the name of Jesus. That was Jesus, no other name by museum on this haven today. Before we go to Acts chapter 4, I want to look back to the interview that I did with the early church scholar, Dr. Hughes Oliphant Old. He's gone on to be with his Lord now. But when I was with him several years ago, I asked him to describe to me what a typical Sunday morning would have looked like back in the first century church. And I think you'll find his answer
2: pretty fascinating. As people gathered, there was probably the singing of some psalms. There might have been a brief prayer, a sort of invocation, but not necessarily. The important thing would have been readings from Scripture. You would have had a reading from the Law of Moses, and then you would have a reading from the Prophets, the Torah and the Haftorah. Uh, just as you had in the synagogue. And in the course of time, one would read through the whole of the law of Moses and the whole of the prophets. And then there would be a reading from the Gospels and probably there would have been commentary on these scripture readings. That was the origin of the sermon. And then there would be a reading from the epistle so that there would be uh, readings from the Old Testament, readings from the New Testament. That was probably standard. Origen gives us uh, one of the best pictures of how early Christian preaching developed. During the week, weekday mornings, he would preach through the historical books of the Bible, starting with the law and then going through First and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and so forth. Then on Sunday there would be shorter sermons on the Gospels, but there would have been more sermons. There could have been several people who would. But the preaching of the Gospel was for the Lord's Day, and the preaching of the law would be during the weekdays. Then, after that was done, those who had not yet made a decision for Christ would have been asked to leave the church, and the congregation would stand and they would pray for their leaders in the church, they would pray for the emperor, various governmental authorities, they would pray for any particular people who were in need in the congregation. It would be a full comprehensive prayer of intercession. Well, after they had done these intercessory prayers, then there would be a celebration of the Lord's Supper that was done on the Lord's Day. Every week? Yes, every week. Uh, the early church had the big square in front of the church, sort of like a patio in California. And it was a place for the pe- congregation to gather before they went into church. It was fellowship. Fellowship, you know. and then worship. And that was that was an important part of it. That was the
0: late church historian, Dr. Hughes Oliphant Old, sharing with me some years ago about what a first century church service would have been like. Kind of encouraging to hear that many churches today still follow the model of singing praises, reading and teaching from God's Word, and partaking together of the Lord's Supper. It was shortly after I became the speaker of Haven Today in the year 2000. Violence was rampant in Israel, Greater Jerusalem saw bombings almost daily. I sensed the need to broadcast from the Holy Land. Tourism was at a standstill. Airlines were canceling flights and using smaller jets to fly into the airport in Tel Aviv. Janet and I flew to London and then on a smaller 767 British Air into Ben-Gurion Airport. Our flight wasn't full, but those on the plane were 90% Orthodox Jews. It was Janet's and my first look at modern-day Pharisees. We took our seats and buckled our seat belts. Somewhere over Europe, it was time to pray. I can't forget the Orthodox man sitting in front of us. He stood up, as did other men around us. He unzipped a special bag and pulled out the most colorful prayer shawl I've ever seen. Handmade, no doubt. He carefully laced his leather phylactery around his head and his arm. But then it became more interesting. I couldn't help but not notice the pride in his eyes as he looked around him to make sure others were watching as he faced Jerusalem and loudly, I mean loudly, began his morning prayers. Janet and I looked at each other and knew we were watching a modern-day Pharisee. We saw many more like that man at the Wailing Wall. Not much change from a first-century political religious party gathering. I was reminded of Acts 4. When Peter was hauled before the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, and Sadducees, he was allowed to preach before he riled them up and was sent off to jail. But here's a little secret that I didn't think of until later that night as I too was praying in Jerusalem. The pride of Phariseeism runs deep, and I realized it ran in me as well. We think we know better than others. My biblical doctrine is more pure than the Pharisees I flew with to a country under siege. Yes, I knew Jesus as Lord and Savior, the fulfillment of the law, but I still could think I was better than others, than them, and their supposed righteousness. My wisdom was greater than theirs. I knew the teaching of Jesus to daily repent of my sins as a believer, but my pride also ran quite deep. I was driven to my knees that night in the holy city. And God's Spirit told me again of my need to repent and humble myself before the Lord. I was and am today a recovering Pharisee in need of a new measure of grace every day. Remember Matthew 23, Jesus speaking harsh words to those Pharisees. He called them blind. He said, you're whitewashed tombs in the Gospels. You worry about how you look on the outside when first you must make sure the inside of your cup is clean. At the Wailing Wall, Jews still wash their hands in a ceremonial fountain before they go up to the Western Wall to pray. But what about the inside? What about inside our hearts? Were they clean and spotless from the blood shed by the ultimate Paschal lamb, Jesus? That night, in the land where Jesus died and rose, I realized that apart from his grace placed in me, I was no different. Phariseeism was still around. I could still try and keep the law, even though Jesus had fulfilled the law. But grace always trumps the law. Now to Acts chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized peter and john and because it was evening they put them in jail until the next day but many who heard the message believed so the number who believed grew to about five thousand the next day the rulers the elders and the teachers of the law met in jerusalem by what power or what name do you do this then peter filled with the spirit spoke and preached to them salvation is found in no one else but there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved acts chapter 4 the legalists were flummoxed verse 13 when they saw the courage of peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And then they called them back in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then, noteworthy, Peter and John both replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speak about what we have seen or heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Now, read this for yourself again in Acts 4. It is a profound picture of legalism at work, and I would propose that legalism abounds even today in Christian churches and even in our hearts. Are you, like me, a recovering Pharisee? What can you do? Well, the answer is always Jesus. We get on our knees. Remember how he taught us to pray. Forgive me of my trespasses, sins, as I forgive those who sin against me. Grace washes over us again to love our Savior first and love others as he first loved us. Renew us on the inside and cause us to see the inside clean so we don't just work on the outside of our lives and think we're better than we are. May we pray alone, but as we've learned and studied this week may we pray with others like the early church may we together sing of your glory may our lives be spent for him and may each and every day we seek forgiveness and find ourselves in the middle of a grace-filled life where grace trumps law and may grace abound Doesn't that stir you to praise the Lord? With the 150 voices of the Riverbend Choir in San Antonio singing Ode 26, known as From the East to the West, just one of 14 powerful songs that's found on the Ode's Project, a CD collection that we have for your gift today. And this is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. We're in a series this week called The Church in Early Days. I hope you've been with me all week as we've looked at how the spirit worked in the church of jesus christ in those early days and that same power is available for every follower of jesus today to live abundantly by bringing glory to his name in all we do yes i know the world is dark at times and there are many pressures all around us leading us to fall into sin and to even become discouraged about the direction that others or even ourselves are heading. But that's why I want you to listen to the stirring music found on the Ode CD. You'll hear lyrics written at the time of Christ that speak of the challenges of life, but the joy found in Christ alone. And of the songs that would have been sung by the first Christians as they worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ in the first century, I know they will touch your heart in a special way. So please pray about how generous you can be We are 100% supported by friends like you. So when you call or go online and make your gift, we want to send you the Odes Project. You just need to ask for it. Our number to call right now is 800-654-2836. 800-654-2836. Or if you can, visit our website, haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And make sure you check out the special blog post that offers the history of the odes with insightful video and audio. And just before we go now, I'd like to ask you to pray today about becoming a Haven Partner, someone who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing the risen Christ with others. You can ask about it when you call. You can read about it online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow on Friday? When again, we'll be sharing together the great story. It's all about Jesus. Here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says there is a time to be silent and a time to speak up. It all comes down to this question. Has God spoken? The answer, of course, is yes, he has. He speaks in nature and he speaks in scripture. Our job is to open our ears and our hearts to him. We're so often too quick to speak when we should be silent. But once we've heard what the Lord has to say, we need to speak up. Songs of rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and most important, God has spoken to us by his eternal word. That word came down and took on flesh in Jesus Christ. Today, if you hear his word, respond with prayer and praise. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit getanchor.com.